everybody, and welcome back to Champions of Security. Today, we'll be discussing how to make security sexy with two dynamic guests. First, we have Jeevan Singh. Jeevan is the Director of Product Security at Twilio, where he's embedding security into all aspects of the software development process. Jeevan enjoys building security cultures within organizations and educating staff on security best practices. He's responsible for a wide variety of tasks, including architecting security programs, driving security strategy, mentoring and growing security engineers and their managers. Before his life in the security space, Jeevan had a wide variety of development and leadership roles over the past 20 years. We also have Abdul Wahab, and Abdul is a senior tech lead who loves growing engineering teams that are inquisitive, hungry to learn, and deliver lasting business solutions. When he's not doing that, he writes tech articles and tutorials on Medium to teach and give back to the global software community. He also likes to bake cakes and pizzas. So for everyone listening, I was having a conversation with someone in the application security community, and they told me that the reason engineers don't like security is because it isn't sexy. And I think that's, it's a really important topic, which is security, it, in my opinion, is cool and can be cool. And I, and that's why I brought on Jeevan and Abdul, because they're two people that are very skilled at making security fascinating. And just at the beginning of the episode, I think it's important to talk about how do you think these groups are perceived by the world? So let's start with security as a broad topic, not necessarily application or product security. Um, I've heard people say that security are naysayers or they get in the way. How do you think that security teams are perceived in general? Uh, I love that question. And I, I think you nailed it on the head. It, it really depends on the type of security that you're trying to implement. Um, I've fortunately been in companies where security has always been sexy um, and it's been sexy because security partners with engineering um, and it, we, as we're not even separate to we are security engineering uh, in these organizations and we have the mindset where um it's a yes and uh not a no uh so um if you partner with your engineering teams if you work closely with them and if you guide them into the right direction um they will want to partner with you they won't think that you're not sexy they will not want to avoid you at all costs uh, but if you are the naysayers, if you are the gatekeepers, if you are the blockers, and you always build your stick and never use a carrot, you're not going to be perceived very highly within the organization. And people are going to work around you. And I've seen that time and time again in the industry where um, I work closely with peers and I see the programs at, the, at other companies and it is challenging. Uh, so you really have to ensure that you have a program and a culture where you are working hand in hand with their partners. I have a similar perspective I mean, as yeah, Abdul. Is there anything you want to add? Yeah, definitely. I have a similar perspective as Jeevan actually. So I've worked in like very heavily regulated industry, like um, regulated by government governments and uh, you know different policies and things. So security for us is uh, like you know for like you know previous industries that I worked on has been very important, and um, you know the. Culture defines the collaboration model between the, you know, engineering side and development side and the security side. And, uh, you know, the more hand in hand they can be, the better. And, um, you know, the more, you know, engineers can also be encouraged to, you know, make security as part of 
the workflows that they develop, you know, the products that they develop as they're developing it, the better it is for them and for everybody. Because, uh, I mean, it's one like half of the problem is identifying or half of the situation is identifying that. Yeah, I mean, you know, these security is important and we have to be careful as we're developing the product. But then the other half is making it easy and also streamlining the ways engineers and, you know, anybody who's developing a product can also integrate it within their product development and software development cycle that, you know, makes it even better. So that's what I've experienced in my career. Absolutely. And so I want to, let's, let's dive into, Jeevan, you said if you can say yes and, and Abdul, you're talking about making things easy, making security seamless while highlighting the importance. Uh, Abdul actually runs a blog, a tech blog, where he writes about security topics. It's really fascinating. It's hosted on Medium. Uh, I'll, I'll post a link in the description. Highly recommend you check it out. And one of the things I know you've dealt with Abdul is, is API security. And so let's say that you have an engineering group that's trying to roll out uh, some new some new set of APIs or, or a new product that's going to be, you know, it's going to have a lot of APIs exposed to the world. Can we think of how you would navigate as a security team, ensuring those APIs are tested and deployed securely, and then also being able to ensure that, you know, the engineering team can handle it quickly or you're there, you're the subject matter experts. Like what would that relationship be like to make sure that security is is sexy and helpful as you're pushing things out to the world? Absolutely. So during the development of the product, um, one thing I would uh, you know encourage is the team as they're developing the uh, software and the code um, as part of their uh, development pipeline, they have uh, scans, uh, security scans integrated into the um, you know code. So that way, as they're committing and pushing code, and you know. Uh, pushing it into the uh, repository that it can also be scanned for uh, any kind of libraries or any kind of, uh, you know, code that can be rewritten to be, make it more secure. So that way, before the deployment goes, gets promoted into like the further test environments and even production, those, uh, any kind of vulnerabilities, they can be caught earlier. And I would even take that a step further. So what's worked for me when I used to do like heavy, heavy software development, then um, I used to work with Java a lot. So Spring. And uh, Spring has this uh, tool, uh, Spring Tool Suite has this uh, plugin, uh, or most IDs actually have them now. So you can download a plugin for um, some kind of, uh, you know, reporting tool that you use for security scans. And before you even push the code and deploy it to your, like, you know, pipelines, you can also run that locally on your machine, run, run the, you know, reporting tool on your code to be able to see if there's any vulnerabilities that you can fix before pu pushing the code. So this is it makes the developers lives easier so they don't have to worry about pushing yet and you also save your team some time by you know they can you know when a merge request or push pull request gets pull, pushed up um it saves them time from having to you know multiple times like you know review the code so you know you see it once and you fix it then you deploy it and you push it and then you have zero findings and you know you're nicely on your way to production so I've seen that work in my past experience. You want to streamline that and make it easy for the developers. And so, you know, that's one way to go about it. So like automation of the security testing, basically. So would you say that when a developer is able to deploy code and it doesn't come back to them after it's deployed, 
is that sexy for them? Is that a job well done that they can say, yeah, that was cool. And I'm glad that we handled all of this up front. And now, now I got to push this cool, secure thing into the world. Do you think that adds to the pride they take in their work? In my experience, yes, because that's less development cycles for the engineer and that's less cycles for, you know, the team to have to review the code together and, you know, point out, hey, this has a finding over here. You might want to fix it. And so it's less, it's basically, it makes things easier for just like the engineer that's building it and also the fellow engineers. So that way they just have to review it once and, you know, the findings are all addressed or resolved. And, um, yeah, it it basically reduces the cycles, the you know the cycles to deploy something. So that's one way I've seen work. Perfect, Jeevan. Is there anything you want to add? Yeah, I, um, what Abdul is talking about is the DevX, the developer experience. And um, I, I'm, Abdul was a former developer. I was a former developer. Um, and you want to make sure that you do low friction ways to make sure that the developer experience is really good. So um, things like making sure that uh, during the requirements phase, people are not doing things that would uh, uh, break compliance. When you actually do a threat model, uh, you understand all the potential vulnerabilities. All these things are low effort ways of discovering vulnerabilities as part of your system. Uh, I love having a lot of checks within GitHub itself uh, or even IDEs to ensure that developers get uh, instant feedback. Uh, when You don't want them to context switch. Uh, context switching is very, very expensive. And you definitely don't want them to discover vulnerabilities uh, after uh, it's deployed to production. So um, the industry calls it shifting left. Uh, I know that everyone hates that it's been overused, uh, the term. But uh, the more you can shift left, the more you can provide context to the engineers uh, while they are actually in development phase, it just makes it a lot easier for them to design strong uh, features of themselves. Yeah, giving them the feedback they need, the information they need, and that. Jeevan, how would you handle it if, let's say, your security team is is massively overwhelmed by the quantity of developers and the amount of code that's going out. So let's, you know, a, a common complaint is we don't have enough resources to keep an eye on everything. How would you navigate that? Are there easy wins that you can do to maintain a good developer experience while also staying secure? Like, are there certain things that you would prioritize or certain things you would deprioritize? Yeah, you nailed it. It's all about prioritization. Um, and I don't think I've ever been at a company, uh, maybe one company that I've been at where the ratio was really, really good. All the other companies, it's been a challenge with ratios and you really have to think about, okay, how do we implement a strong security program with the uh, resources that we have? Um, and uh, most of it is uh, ensuring that you are you are sharing the workload with the folks that should be doing the work. So um, one great example is... Uh, we at uh, Segment and then at Twilio, we built a program called Democratized Vulnerability Management. And that particular program, in the past, security engineers have to chase engineers to fix vulnerabilities. Why? Why are we spending cycles actually doing things that um, don't provide value uh, to the organization? They do provide value in that the vulnerabilities will be fixed, but you're spending a lot of time Doing, uh, chasing folks that should be fixing them anyways. So 
um, we flipped the script. Uh, what we decided to do is that we built out a mechanism in which uh, developers had full autonomy over their vulnerabilities. And uh, it's up to them when they want to fix it. Um, and uh, the SLA extension process was fully in their hands. So P4, P5s went to managers, P3s went to directors, P2s went to VPs, and uh, P1s went to GMs. So when everything is in their court, and if they need extensions, they will get it. Um, we don't have to do that busy work. We can actually focus on more important stuff. And as part of that particular process, what we focused on is ensuring that all vulnerabilities were with an SLA. So if you need an extension and you're over extension, we'd hit you on the head and say, okay, it's time for you to extend that vulnerability because you're literally not fixing any time. And our job was to understand where the hot spots were in the business. So if there are particular areas that were accruing a lot more security technical debt, we'd work really closely with that particular VP or director and say, hey, it's time for you to start addressing some of your security concerns. So by shifting the operational work that shouldn't have been securities in the first place and shifting it over to engineers, we reduce the amount of toil on the security side and we're absolutely able to focus on actual risk reduction and working with engineering leaders themselves to make sure that we're reducing risk. So there are definitely a lot of different ways that you can prioritize your efforts and make sure that you are spending wisely and finding ways that you can actually do what the company hired you to do, which is actually reducing risk. That's it's a fascinating point. And it makes me think about the whole perception of security that we were talking about earlier, where if you're constantly just chasing people down to fix the vulnerabilities that to your point, they should already be resolving. You get this, you, you get viewed as a project manager uh, or something that is just just bugging them right and it's not cool it's not sexy versus versus if you can go and say hey we're trusting you to handle this we're giving you the resources and now we're going to go build this cool stuff that actually helps the company all of a sudden you're no longer the project manager it's hey we're we're giving you the tools and then we're going to go be sexy over here and build yes. this cool new thing to help you exactly really shifting the focus of what the team does but also, in addition to that, we want to make sure that the engineering team also owns that they're responsible for security. Um, it's not our responsibility. It's a shared responsibility. Our job as security professionals is to understand where risk is within the business, highlight that risk, make sure that everyone understands the risk. But it's really up to engineering themselves to decide if and when they're going to be fixing a lot of these vulnerabilities. So. Um, they know their systems very well. They know um, their priorities very well. And we will work with engineering leadership when we think that they've uh, completely uh, missed the, the mark on their responsibilities. Got it. Yeah. And Abdul, is there anything that you want to add from more of the engineering side of the house? Any way that we could improve the system Jeevan's talking about? Definitely. So whatever you know, what Jeevan just mentioned just now, that's spot on because I've seen the same exact kind of strategies work in other places. And the other thing I'd like to add is um, when, let's say, uh, the engineering team is working on a fix, a vulnerability, and um, they can also document those steps, you know, how they fixed it, what the problem was, and, you know, how they fixed it, and, you know, how they, you know, resolved it, then sharing it out with a broader group, like, you know, across the uh, enterprise or across the company is also great because it also, you know, creates like a uh, learning or a community support type of uh, model where, 
people actually come forward and share, okay, yeah, I fixed this library this way and I replaced it with this one or I replaced this dependency with this one or I rewrote this part of the code with that one. So it also creates that like shared environment where people want to come out and share and that also like increases the uh, learning aspect and uh, people want to show and tell and show and learn. And uh, also it, it boosts the ownership model as well. Like, you know, like the shared responsibility that Jeevan was talking about it also increases that. So that's one thing I've also seen that will, you know, really works is having like a platform for everybody, for all the engineers to come out and share, you know, we had this vulnerability and we fix it this way. And, you know, if you had the same one, then you can maybe fix it this way as well. And, uh, you know, go from there. Yeah. I, I love that idea. And I've, you know, people will use Confluence or, or any other software as a way to store a certain problem and how they dealt with the problem. One thing I did in my life as a developer was I had to build an Electron app and then it was, hey, we're going to use this as a secure starting point, secure baseline for the Electron app, uh, just to make sure that the, the renderer and main processes don't interact in a way that's unsafe. And being able to document that and give it to the company so that A, everyone else saves time and B, they, uh, you know, you get to show like, hey, look at this cool thing I built. Like, it's funny, you take pride in it. And that, Abdullah, brings me right back to your blog, right? Like being able to document these things that you're learning, share them with the world. Like it's, it is a really, it's a cool way to get people to take ownership of what they're doing and to feel excited about it. Uh, and I would actually love to ask you guys, do you think there's any companies that you're familiar with that do a really good job of advertising their security practices to the world? I've seen it a lot with the engineering sides. Are there specific security teams you're familiar with that post things, uh, you know, their walkthroughs or how they solve problems that you think are inspirational or helpful? Uh, it's going to feel like I'm doing a self-pitch. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, both Twilio and Segment are pretty good at that. So um, when I was looking for another opportunity, um, I had a friend that was working at Segment. Okay, I, I don't know what they really do. Let me look and understand what exactly uh, they're up to. Looked at their blog, as you mentioned, strong engineering blog, but there were so many posts on uh, security as well. So uh, they talked a lot about, uh, I think at the time, was their MFA journey. Uh, how do they get to where they are uh, with their MFA? They talked about a lot of the processes that they've improved uh, along the way that way as well. And then when I eventually joined a segment, I started doing a lot of that as well. So I mapped out uh, the self-service threat modeling mechanism um, there. And um, it was great that segment was able to allow us to open source uh, the training material as well. And then same thing once we got acquired by Twilio. Twilio has a real strong um, uh, standard for uh, sharing community with the community. So there are a number of security tools as well as blog posts within Twilio that we've shared and I know that uh, one of the things that I encourage my team to do is go up in the community and go speak and talk so there are a number of folks that constantly are out at meetups and conferences where they share a lot of the great things that we do so definitely I know it's a sort of a self-promotion uh, but uh, I, I know that we do it well and then we have friends at Netflix and Snowflake and GitHub that do a great job uh, with the promotion as well. So when I shared the self-service threat modeling uh, post, um, uh, friends at uh, Snowflake were like, hey, we're doing a similar sort of program. So it has helped us increase the engagement with uh, the community and 
talking to other teams and seeing how they do things. So um, sharing is definitely, it really it helps the community, but it also helps yourself as well. Perfect. Yeah, I, I love that. And that's that's a fascinating thing. So if you want to recruit Jeevan to your company, you better have a good engineering blog. That's what I'm learning. <laughs> you, you better be sharing cool insights with the world. That's how you guys attention it. And you brought up Netflix too. And they, I've read some of their security posts and they're incredible, right? They've mapped out their, I don't remember exactly what it was now. It's been a while, but I think it was like a microservice visibility um, and like some sort of service mesh thing they built. Um, I'm, I'm sure I'm botching the details, but I remember reading through it and going, wow, this is so cool and so well documented. And and then it made me excited. I was like, oh, I wish I could work at Netflix. You know, like that's such a cool thing to do. And and yeah, I, I think it's certainly powerful. And and yeah, Twilio as well. Like I, your guys' resources are, are awesome. Um, Abdul, is there anyone in particular that comes to mind for you? For me, uh, from an educational perspective that I really enjoy is uh, Secure Code Warrior. Um, they have, they're like a nice one-stop shop. They have, um, you know, newsletters, uh, you know, quarterly, monthly newsletters where they share, um, you know, the security findings and how, what's being done to fix them and, you know, even companies that are facing them and how they're going about fixing them. And they also have um, tournaments and games and, you know, kind of like security videos where you can, you know, kind of self-pace yourself and learn. And, you know, it makes it security fun rather than, you know, diving deep into some book and reading about, you know, such and such findings. So they also have a really nice way of teaching security and secure code practices to developers. So that way it's more of like an interactive, like, you know, lesson as opposed to something that, you know, someone has to learn and, you know, go from there. Yeah. yeah there's a, a lot of great people out there. And I'd actually like to give a shout out to Chime, the, uh, I don't know, technically a bank or are they technically a credit card? great call out uh, Chime Mukan that runs the Podsec program there at Chime and they do fantastic uh, work as well so yeah good call out there for sure yeah what I remember there was one it was an art it might have been a series of articles actually but it was a uh, oh a tool they built for when engineers check in code and I don't know I don't know looking at the deltas or I, it's been a while since I read it I should have refreshed but it's called Monocle, and uh, the tool itself uh, will grade the repos. And if uh, they'll create a particular baseline, and if it's away from the baseline, it will grade it and say, hey, you need to do A, B, and C in order to get uh, to that A grade that you want. So a great way to remove the toil from the security team and fully automate the, the process from end to end to make that happen. So. Yeah, a great, great article. Uh, Monocle is a tool name, uh, definitely worth reading. Yeah, Monocle. And and then the cool thing too with grading it, I, like to make it fun for people, right? It's like, hey, here's where I'm at and here's what I got to do to up my level. And all of a sudden it's sexy, it's fun. It's like, here's how you can get better. And we're, you know, it's this cool thing to help other people grow. Like it's all, yeah, it's just such a fascinating idea to help people help themselves. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I'm yeah. I I've been uh, very excited about Chime for a long time from just the things I've read. One other part of it, uh, I, I had the fortune to talk to Mukanda about this as well. When you, as a security individual, reach out to a person, um, it it feels like there's uh, at times if you don't have the right culture, it could feel like a little bit of shame and um, having a human in, as part of the process. 
But when you have a Slack uh, notifying you, which Moncole does quite a bit, it doesn't feel like it's uh, someone bothering you about it. It feels more like a linter in itself. So it really helped uh, move the needle forward really quickly by rolling out a tool like that. That's that's fascinating. And and so do you think it ever, or if you've talked to them, like would anyone ever ignore it? Right. If it if it feels like a linter, like does do people go, ah, that's fine. I'll like I'll just let it ride because it's not an actual person bugging me. Like, do you run into that danger? And obviously, we've, you know, I I don't know if you would know this, but do you think that would be a risk with any sort of automated notification system? I would assume so. That would be a risk. Uh, but um, I would assume they would also be reporting all these metrics up uh, to leadership as well. So you want to provide them the carrot, uh, get them to do the right thing themselves. And if you aren't uh, enjoying the carrot, uh, you might have to enjoy a stick. So leadership might have to get involved and uh, get you to do the right thing. So I think it's um, one or uh, I'm hoping that most people just uh, enjoy having a Slack bot just to remind them that it's time to uh, patch their image or whatever they have to do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think in in my shoes, uh, if I were if I were in that position, I would rather have that than a person pinging me about it because I'd feel a little less guilty. Like, oh, you're right, thanks. I should probably do this. Whereas if a person has to intervene, I'd be like, oh man, I am dropping the ball here. <laughs> Abdul, uh, can I can I ask you about in the past any projects where you've had to collaborate with security teams, you know, specifically and. And can I ask you about how it went and also what you would like to see people do differently to make it go better? Do you have any any particular examples of of anything that you'd worked on that comes to mind? I can definitely share. There was one project that I worked on uh, several years ago where we had to deploy an API for an MVP application. And uh, at the time, um, you know, we basically we had a front end application and a back end API and the um, you know, back end API had the job of authenticating the user on the front end application. And we had validation. We'd built um, a process in that API to uh, validate that a customer, when they're entering the application, they had a uh, valid um, uh, token, they had a valid uh, SSO token. Um, and that was kind of like our check to make sure that the you know customer was properly secured and authenticated into the app. But um, the one additional check that, you know when we were working with our security engineer, they suggested, you know, okay, you're checking to make sure that the customer has a valid token. Great. How do you know that the customer is who they say they are? Like, you know, you're making sure at the first step, yeah, they have a valid token, they're authenticated, but how do you know they're authorized? Like, you know, are you checking any of their IDs? Are you checking to make sure their IDs exist in the database? Or are you creating one for them if they're not one and you're, are you verifying their identity? Like, are you kind of using any kind of matching logic to make sure that this customer or this entity, you know, they say who they say they are? So... You know, that's one feedback that, you know, we got from them. Yeah, Abdul, I, I really want to dig into this point because I think it's a fascinating thing. If you look at OWASP's top 10 risks for APIs, five of the top six of them are authentication or authorization related. Probably the biggest issue with APIs today. And so your story really resonates with me. And, and I would love to learn more about, you specifically said there was a debate about like, well, why do we need to do this? Why does it matter? They have a valid token. Why are we checking? Uh, can can you give us some insights into how how engineers perceive that as not being cool or not being worthwhile, 
and how as a security team, you know, you had said we they pitched it as, oh, well, it actually does add value by being more secure. Like, can you give us a specific example of how you might be able to sell that point? You know, there's a little more depth into how you can get people to believe you and to buy in and to want to be a part of the effort to make sure that all of your customers are properly authorized. Absolutely. So actually the buy-in we had to get from the business side actually because they had like a uh, goal or like a milestone to meet to you know get it deployed by a certain date and uh, you know launched out to customers so actually that was our main um, like engineering and product security or yeah engineering and product security we were all kind of in the you know hand in hand but like it was the uh, the the important thing was selling to the business side because you know they had certain milestones and they, they had certain like uh, dependencies to get off of like a uh, uh, legacy solution so that was their kind of like you know they that's why they were questioning is this something really we should pursue now is it something we can do later after we deploy so which i mean their point was valid too but i mean again with security um you know do you really want to take that chance i mean you know because it you know things don't happen you know like like any kind of danger or like you know any kind of uh, kind of vulnerability or hack it doesn't warn you before it happens it just happens the next thing you know you have to figure out how to fix it and go from there, you know? So uh, that's the kind of, you know, so the, the, the debate became, you know, um, let's say we don't implement that second level of um, authorization of, uh, you know, you know, the customer matching logic, we don't do it, then what's the risk there? I mean, let's say we deploy it and then somebody actually hacks us and, you know, like, you know, we presented them a few case studies, like with other companies that, happened like capital one when they had the um you know unsecure uh, bucket so you know uh, we presented them some case studies to you know influence them and in, to think in that direction that you know yes i mean you know it's possible i mean if you know it could or could not happen there's a 50 50 chance right but if it does happen then you know we're opening ourselves up to a much bigger danger and risk versus if we take some time to do it now and uh, you know um, write some additional code and some write some tests and deploy it through the pipeline. It'll take a maximum of like you know three extra business days, but we'll be a lot more secure. And um, the you know the date will have to be shifted. You know the timeline will have to be shifted. But is that loss like you know of like you know not delivering per that date? Is it like very very big that you know we are not going to be able to handle it? I mean, or is the you know the loss like negligible or you know or we can, you know, take that. So that's how we, you know, put it in front of them. We, you know, made it like, you know, it's uh, option to option. It's not a team that it's not a, you know, you us versus them. It was an option to option type thing. You know, we were all figuring out the best way, but those were how we presented it. We presented them a few case studies of, you know, what happened with, uh, you know, in the industry, or like you know, Capital One being one example. And then, you know, the actual danger, you know, highlighting the, you know, risk. Because, you know, the key thing is nothing like you know in the security world like just take my hotspot thing for example there was no there was no alert there there was no like you know uh alerting there you know hey it's gonna go down or whatever so things happen and you have to you know respond then so we convinced them you know it would be much harder to fix it then versus if we fix it now take some time to do it now and that you know they were able to buy and you know work with us to you know make the code updates and deploy it so that was our strategy. It was all about options versus options and, you know, no us versus them. So everything you just said is incredible. Uh, I'm going to do my best to remember it all, but 
the idea of, of tech debt is where I want to start. You know, you mentioned if we don't do it now, the pain of doing it later will be a lot more severe. And and Jeevan, you mentioned tech debt earlier in the episode. Um, and then you also brought brought up having the business people, the people who who really have to weigh the pros and cons, bringing them into the conversation and saying, hey, here's what it's going to cost. And here's all of the risk if we don't do it. Here are some real world examples. And especially in in regulated industries, like uh, like you brought up Capital One as an example. If you're in financial, uh, the the willingness to risk improper authorization is probably pretty low, I would imagine, um, because the consequences are just a lot more severe versus a, a less regulated industry or, or less sensitive information, perhaps less severe. Um, but but having those conversations, being transparent, letting people know about the tech debt. Um, and, and, and to be realistic, like, Hey, if we don't do this now, the chances of us doing it later are, are slim. And then you brought up, it's a question of, will somebody figure out how to break it? Which is really what, where I want to go next. And I heard Jeevan in a different podcast he was on talk about seeing the logs of who's attacking their system and hoping that it's the security researchers and not an actual bad person. Uh, and so Jeevan, I want to hand it over to you, which is. You know, how do you how do you navigate those conversations and say, hey, like, here's all of the attacks we're seeing and we're pretty sure that someone's going to figure out how to break it. How how would you recommend navigating that conversation? Yeah, it, those conversations are a little bit more difficult to have because there's no actual vulnerability there. There's no um, exact thing I want engineering to do this right now. Small little patch here and we should be good. Um, it, it's a lot more about threat and risk, um, and likely um, a lot more work than a patch or a simple fix on the engineering side. So we don't start those conversations with the engineers or engineering managers. We work directly with directors or uh, product managers, making sure that we are talking about risks themselves. Risk registers are a great uh, mechanism, so understanding the universe of risks that we're seeing if there is an active attack going on and uh, we are seeing things in the logs, that's a different conversation where it's like, okay, I don't care what you're doing. We're going to stop focus. This is a P0 priority. Everyone's going to be focusing on this and we're going to do it. But if it's more like these are things that smell funny in the logs, um, we should investigate further. Uh, then those are the conversations that we have at the higher level. Um, but it, it is all about collaboration. Uh, you have to have that strong partnership the strong security culture within the organization. And that happens with time and trust. And so um, I love Abdul's examples of uh, working very closely with engineering um, on API security projects. Uh, there are a number that we've done in the past. Uh, I think my favorite one was, um, it happened a couple of companies ago where one of our cloud security engineers actually embedded within the engineering team. So very, very large multi-year project uh, at the very beginning of it. The engineering team didn't even understand the security requirements or what could be security requirements. And security team was also struggling with it because it is very, very large uh, project self. Uh, but we thought, hey, why don't we just drop a, a cloud security engineer onto the team and they can start to just providing the data that you need uh, instead of going through security refuse. And that worked phenomenally. The cloud security engineer was there to answer any security questions, but also did engineering work to make sure that the project was moving along uh, faster. So 
Um, and there are a lot of decisions that that individual had to reach out to the central security to sort of work together to understand how to approach certain problems. But having them vetted, um, the VP of engineering came out afterwards. Um, they loved it and felt that they felt that that individual saved at least a quarter of work um, by just being embedded on the team. So there's a bunch of different ways that you can actually collaborate. You can build trust so that when times come and you have something that is a little bit more fuzzier, you can work with the right stakeholders, product managers, directors to make sure that you can get the, that security work done as well. That's a genius idea. And, and so did they, in that example, did the cloud security engineer actually like, sign a new piece of paperwork saying my new role is I'm in engineering or was it was it just the conversation internally like hey we're gonna put them on your team for the time being and they're yeah. working in hand with you so it was definitely the latter uh they didn't change their role they're still a cloud security engineer they're still doing some cloud security work but their full-time focus was on this particular product and feature that they're developing that they we knew as an organization that this is the right direction to go to and it's going to take us time to get there. So, but um, I've seen this work well with other projects as well. When we just drop a security engineer right in there, so that it helps speed up the communications between the security and engineering teams, and it just helps uh, really that security by design philosophy. You just literally embed it when you actually have a security engineer working on the project itself. That that yeah, me- this it just screams ownership. That's amazing, Ab- Abdul. Go ahead. Sorry, I was going with the similar route. It creates a, that's exactly the thing that creates a feedback loop. So, you know, um, the cloud security engineer now in Jimin's example, they know what things or what vulnerabilities the product team, you know, struggles with. And they can take it back to their own team be like, you know, hey, I was working with this team on this project and this came up a lot. And you might be noticing the same on with other teams. So maybe we should all kind of do something to, you know, help the entire company or the entire enterprise. So that creates a feedback loop of where, you know, the team, the engineering, the cloud security team, they have something, they have like an ongoing relationship and a feedback loop that they can constantly nurture. And, you know, it'll make things better for everybody across the company. So that's another benefit of that. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful way to create organization-wide ownership of security and engineering initiatives and get everybody rowing in the same direction. It's amazing. Well, hey, guys, we're starting to run low on time. And before we go, I want to make sure you both have a chance to make a call to action. So I want to open the floor up to whatever it is you want to ask of our audience. And, and Jeevan, do you want to start us off? Yeah, um, here's a call to action is um, really focus on the development experience. Um, put your uh, sh- development shoes on. Uh, live your life as a developer. Understand how developers live. And make sure that you're reducing the toil on their team. Um, that doesn't mean you take on their toil and you do uh, additional operational work, but really understand their workflows, understand how you can hook into them, understand ways that you can reduce the context switching on their side of things. Um, and uh, you will have stronger partnerships and a lot more trust, um, which then you can relate back to actual, um, when you actually need to re- reduce risk, they will actually trust you and follow your uh, path that way. So definitely start really focusing on your partners, understand their pain points, and find ways to help resolve those pain points. Love it. And Abdul, Abdul, what can we get from you? 
I echo uh, Jeevan's uh, statements. I mean, you know, the you know building trust and collaboration and you know, partnering together is the key thing. That's the key fundamental thing, you know, for making security a big win for companies. Um, in addition to that, also, um, you know, if you're a if you're a product engineer, also just ask, like, you know, just ask, like, you know, your team openly, like, you know, hey, what are we doing for this vulnerability? Like, if this comes up in this can, what do we do for that? Or, you know, or take a stab at how to fix it, like, even before someone asks, you know. So that'll not only help you grow as an engineer, you know, more than just building software, you're also building secure software. It'll, you know, increase your learner, you know, your growth mindset. It's going to, you know, make that better. It'll also promote others to think along the same way as, like, you know, encourage because, you know, culture is huge when it comes to, you know, uh, developing, you know, good quality software uh, you know, in, in engineering teams, really any team. But like, you know, when one person does, you know, you know, executes like that, then it promotes and encourages that behavior against, you know, amongst others. And, you know, others take that as an example. You can lead by example to do that. So, you know, um, so always uh, see, like, you know, think beyond, think like, you know, steps further, like, okay, I'm building this. Is there a way I can make it better or is there a way that, you know, things that I didn't consider before I can consider doing now to make it more secure? Um, so always go a step further. It'll not only help you grow as an engineer, it'll uh, help others learn. And, you know, everyone like you'll be like a force multiplier for your entire team if you do that. And people will follow your examples. So that's one other thing I'd recommend to engineers uh I've I've been in that you know those shoes myself and it's worked for me so I think that's definitely something that you know I'd like to share for others to think about and do. So, yep. Perfect, incredibly well said, Abdul. So the developer experience is sexy. Make sure you focus on it, and taking ownership, having pride in what you're doing, is sexy, and it helps everybody. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you both so much for joining. It was an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thanks for having us. This was uh, a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jacob. And nice meeting you, Jeevan. All right. Have a good day, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Champions of Security. Be sure to come back next week. We're going to have another exciting guest on this very streaming platform. See you there.